Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Success Show channel. I'm your host, Joshua Kangley, with another episode of Table Talks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Table Talks, and this is another awesome episode with another awesome guest. Now, on the show today, we're going to be talking about health, and we have a special guest, Dr. Mohammed Emran. He is a board-certified family medicine physician, licensed in multiple states, with over 10 years of experience, and has treated children and adults with various issues. Also very exciting, he has a podcast show, Simple Health Radio, which we'll talk all about later on in the show. But without further ado, Dr. Mohammed Emran. Doctor, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I do appreciate that. And thank you, too. Thanks for your time and coming on to the show. So before we begin, though, introduce yourself to the audience. Oh, very good, sir. Uh, well, I am an ER physician. I was trained in family medicine, but I decided to do ER for the past almost 13 years now. And I've been working in hospitals across the country. Currently, I'm based in Houston, Texas. And on a typical day, I'll see anywhere from 30 to 50 patients. And what I realized was a lot of the patients have very similar problems or diseases that repeat over and over again. And so I decided to create the podcast really just to kind of summarize some of the basic things I see because I answer a lot of the questions constantly. So my goal was really to transition from clinical medicine to more of this uh, talk therapy, if you will, and then create the podcast. You know, and that's very exciting. You have this platform now in which you could help other people, like you said, with these similar ailments and diseases and kind of explain them a bit more. So I think that is super exciting. Um, I'd like to ask you why you chose healthcare as a career. Absolutely. I was uh, I was a pretty good student. I wasn't a 4.0 student, but I always had an interest in volunteering. And so one of my first volunteering positions was at a local hospital in the emergency department. And I was only 15 or 16 years old at the time, so I wasn't the one doing CPR and things like that, but I was on the front line. So meaning whenever people checked in, I was the one that got them a wheelchair. I was the one that took them to their rooms to go see their family members. And so you learn a lot about medicine just by physically being there and then you may not understand what all the terms are and the vocabulary is at that time but you feel like you're part of the system and so I realized that healthcare is really built up of multiple levels of specialists as well as people who are not doctors or nurses and that's the way that this system runs. I find that uh, a common theme among doctors and, and nurses and people in the medical fields in general they have that spirit of volunteering and just helpfulness and service to people. Definitely for me it's just a way of being part of the community and if I wasn't doing medicine I could be doing other things I had an interest in the law I had interest in writing and interest in travel but sometimes uh, you take a look at your life and you look at all the things that you've done and could have done and then you find that you're satisfied in a certain uh, blend of all of that so for me medicine was uh, a natural fit and i i'm not scared by blood and vomit and other bodily fluids some people don't like that part of it so they stick to other fields in medicine uh, but for me it doesn't bother me because i always feel people are really what's there not just patients and diseases but it's the people that i'm talking to mm -hmm, exactly it's the people now i'd like to ask you your opinion on the current state of health and healthcare in the US. Sure. So the current state is very, very complicated. And depending on whether you're a consumer, meaning a patient, 
or whether you're one of the other corporations, such as big pharma, insurance companies, hospitals, and so on, there's not a good situation right now for anybody. Meaning, uh, as doctors, we prescribe the medicines that we think are best for our patients. We want them to get better. Patients expect that we're doing the very best that we could for them. But there are what I call barriers. And some of the barriers are created purposely. Some of them are created inadvertently. And what I mean is, for example, when a patient goes to the doctor with a sore throat, the doctor examines the patient and writes them a medication. The problem is when the patient goes to the pharmacy to fill that prescription, it may or may not be covered. Then they go through a prior authorization. Then they have a delay of several days before that medication gets dispensed. If the patient has a complication, they end up in the emergency room. If they have a complication from there, they're admitted to the hospital. And then at the end of a month, what they went in for a simple sore throat because it wasn't treated on time, it became a life-threatening condition. And in that process, it's created expenses that can be ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars more than if it was just treated very simply. I unfortunately have to say that healthcare costs are the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States. And that's actually a very accurate fact. Uh, every year that number has been increasing. So if you are a healthy 25 year old male or female, no medical problems whatsoever, and you have a car accident or you have an appendix infection, there is over 50% chance that you will become bankrupt after that one visit to the ER because you're gonna be admitted, have surgery, have a recovery time of a couple of weeks, you're not gonna be earning any income. And so I have seen that unfortunately repeat many, many times. So my impression of the current state of health, even though I love what I do, I know that there are a lot of people who are in the system, meaning the consumers, who are actually the ones um, financially being broken, uh, who are physically, mentally being exhausted because they just, they don't have access to the best healthcare at the right time, if you wanna put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I would agree too, and I see it just in my everyday lives too, uh, personally with family, friends, people just come across day to day explaining their circumstances and how the financial impact that, that caused a lot of stress in their lives. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I do know that, for example, you know, the Congress and the president and the mayors and the local administration, all of those people come and go. They create their rules, they create their ideas, and people debate about that and so on. But as I said before, it's really about the people. And the further you put the person from the diagnosis or the person from the best care, the worse the outcomes become. And so the one thing that I have seen that actually does prevent complications is education. So Mm. people who have access to basic things, you know, like in high schools, if you tell people about uh, different infections, if you talk to uh, healthy adults at the workplace, offer them uh, workplace clinics, if you offer uh, people in the community a place to go and get their blood sugars checked or their blood pressure checked, these are very minimal costs. But the upside is that you're keeping those people away from the real healthcare system that's the most expensive. And so those, I would say, are grassroots efforts that really need to be promoted. They don't cost that much, but the return on investment is tremendously high. Mm-hmm. When we talk about healthcare, big pharma, things like this, it tends to get uh, a little bit political at some times. And so, but I've said this before on the show when we talked about health, like you said also, healthcare really is, is people. It, when it comes down to it, it's people. And so when we see these 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 financial burdens and this, like you said, a lot of these people have similar diseases. Is it just because, like, and you did mention education as well, is it just because most of us are not educated about health or how we perceive health? Well, and that's a good point. So um, everyone assumes they're healthy. 
uh, until they find out they're not. And what I mean is something very simple as obesity. Mm-hmm. So obesity has skyrocketed in the last 15 to 20 years. So people who come to us, they might be 15 or 16 years old, they weigh 220 pounds. And that's a problem because in another 10 years, those people are going to be over 250, 300 pounds. And that obesity has a direct link with blood pressure, diabetes, and other problems. That's a direct correlation. So if people don't know about their own body weight, what is the ideal body weight, what are the ideal foods and so on to eat, there's no chance that we can prevent hypertension, diabetes, and other complications down the road. So I think that's one fundamental part of it is that there's really no education about just basic health at this point. Mm-hmm. And that segues into my question. I was going to ask you too, specifically about obesity, uh, because I came across research and it just startled me. It was a generation of children with this chronic uh, epidemic of obesity and how that there is a potential that this generation live less longer than their parents. Is that true? Is that something that's a possibility? Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. When I work in the ER and I see people who are 85 or 90 years old, I'm happy to see them. Even before I walk into the room, I already know what their concern is going to be. They probably fell at home or they probably had some kind of a minor injury and they're just here to get checked out because their family brought them in. And when I walk in the room, I'm usually right because they're on very few medications. They're fit, you know, they're uh, not overweight. Uh, They're very talkative. They have a lot of, you know, spirit and they're very engaging. And the reason I know that is because they lived 85 years doing whatever they did uh, in the same way. So Mm -hmm. they ate certain foods, they walked every day, they had a job that was productive, they allowed the body to remain healthy. Now, if I see someone who is 45 years old and they have a similar complaint, for example, like a headache or abdominal pain, even before I walk in the room, I have to prepare myself. I have to know that their blood pressure is going to be high. Uh, If I check their weight, it's going to be elevated. Uh, If I ask them about their medications, there's going to be a page of 12 or 13 things that they're taking. And that's just to get through their day, basically. That's not even related to why they're here. And so I already have not a stereotype, but I have this image in my mind of, okay, what is the patient really here for? And nine times out of 10, I'm correct. Uh, It's related to their high cholesterol. It's related to their chest pain they're having from their heart disease. It's due to some kidney failure that they've already developed at a very young age. And all of those things put together, even if you're just in for a sore throat, the medications, the more you take, the more side effects they're going to have. So that has definitely impacted the way that we do care in the ER for sure. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, we talked about your opinion of the current state of things, you know, in, in the uh, healthcare industry in the U.S. What I'm interested to know, too, is because we talk about technology a lot on the show. And it's interesting to see how technology is impacting all different segments of our society. Do you have any opinion or do you have any thoughts about how technology can possibly impact the healthcare industry and health in our society going forward in the future? Absolutely. And I'm glad you asked that because there is a division of healthcare called telemedicine. So telemedicine, as its very basic format, is one doctor calling a patient via the phone and then having a computer to record the conversation, uh, prescribing a medication through the computer, and then going on from there. So basically it's remote, meaning a patient can call their doctor and say, I have pink eye or I have this rash I want you to look at. They take a picture, upload it to their doctor. The doctor treats them without physically being in the same room. So telemedicine, I was the medical director for uh, a national group for many, many years, and we treated thousands of patients a month uh, for very similar 
non-life-threatening conditions, uh, things that were routine, for example, refills of their thyroid medicine. Uh, we would review lab work over the phone and use the computer, meaning the patient would go to their local lab, have their blood drawn. The results would be sent automatically to me. I would call the patient at a time convenient for them, and then we would discuss it. So telemedicine was very, very positive because it brought down the healthcare costs of large corporations as well as a lot of the school districts that we had a contract with. So I am very much in favor of that. Going forward, it's evolved in a little bit different way because now there's iPhones and Android devices. There's apps that measure your heart rate and measure your pulse. Uh, all that data can be sent electronically to your physician. There's insulin pumps that are now uh, Wi-Fi, meaning if your blood sugar drops too low, there's alerts that are sent to your diabetes specialist. And so it's moving to the next level. And then even in the hospital, there are many hospitals, for example, in small towns or in very busy uh, urban centers where they don't have enough doctors or specialists. So if somebody is actually admitted to the intensive care unit, you know, an ICU, they have a heart attack, they have a stroke, they're, they're monitored 24 hours a day on ventilators and other machines. If that person has a heart rhythm that's abnormal, there's actually a camera in the ICU, it's called EICU, linked with a doctor who's sitting 200 miles away in Dallas or Chicago, actually looking at that patient's vital signs. And it will create an alert to that hospital, to that nurse, and then the doctor remotely is a specialist, he's an ICU doctor, is talking to the nurse about this patient's care. And so instead of waking up the doctor at two in the morning who's in that city to drive to the hospital to offer this medication, it's being done remotely now. And the outcomes are very good. So those people actually do better because there's two pairs of eyes looking at that patient slightly differently. You see what I mean? So they're mm -hmm. offering uh, sort of a new perspective and that has actually helped to prevent deaths in the hospital, in the ICU. Wow, that's, that is so exciting. You know, technology continues to amaze me, and it's been on the show before. We kind of talked about this revolution, and we're just just now beginning to kind of tap into these different technologies, what they can really do, and how they're impacting these segments of our lives. And so it's it's very exciting. I think it's exciting, too, for these big steps being taken in the, the healthcare industry. Going back to what we were just talking about earlier, though, because it's still I'm still interested in your opinion on this. Uh, with child obesity specifically and, and because that study startled me so much and now I have two younger kids two daughters and so is there anything that can be done what is is it is it education or what can be done in your opinion to push back these chronic illnesses like obesity sure so I would say it's multifactorial meaning there's two or three very different causes that have created the obesity epidemic uh, one of them is corporate so um, and if I call out anything by name it would be you know just for examples only things like McDonald's and Pizza Hut and Burger King so these are companies that have a child menu uh, offers a toy but the foods that they're offering are actually probably the most unhealthiest for that age group and they are encouraging the consumption of calories along with fat that's far above what a child at that age would need. So if it's an eight-year-old child eating meals that are actually designed for people who are 30 years old, they've already got too much in their system. On top of that, uh, beyond the corporate side, uh, there's things like video games and computer games and you know in-house activities that prevent people from going outdoors and joining sports or being active in the community and running and so forth. So we have people who are eating more calories than they need, sitting for large amounts of time and then not digesting their food in a way that would promote uh, metabolism. So that's actually what's caused the obesity epidemic. We know it's from the calories. 
Now, the education part of it, it's always, as you said, a little bit political, a little bit touchy. Nobody wants to say that their child is overweight. Nobody wants to say that they're not raising their child or parenting properly. And so people, what I say, they model behavior. So if a child sees their parent eating certain types of food, likely that's what the child will eat. So if the parent is eating out five times a week because that's what their job requires, the child will also be eating out five times a week. And so this is all cumulative. This is not once a week, you know, as a treat or anything like that. I'm talking about literally families who have to do this every day because that's their method of survival. And so after five or 10 years, we already know those people who go from elementary school to high school to college, that doesn't change very much. So that's really the source of the obesity. Now, you mentioned how do we curb it? How do we stop it? And that's the challenge because the food that is the most unhealthiest for you tastes the best. Uh, and that's based on the chemicals and the preservatives and the salt and all of these other things that are made in factories. I would say it's a little bit addictive. And, you know, companies like Coca Cola and Pepsi, they have entire research panels geared for children. So they have five year old taste testers, 10 year old taste testers, because that is a big portion of their market globally, not just in the United States, but globally. And so how do we push back on the corporate side of it when we have things like free speech and the freedom to choose? And as a healthcare provider, there's no easy way. And I'll tell you, there are people in my examination room vomiting. You know, people come in with severe abdominal pain and there's a bag of a Whataburger or some other Wendy's cheeseburgers and fries in the exam room while they're there. So I already know where the problem is coming from, but to convince them that they need to eat salads and other foods it's very challenging. Yeah, that seems to be the challenge is the is the convincing the, the mindset, convincing and, and changing that mindset or, or lifestyle behavior, definitely. Um, with that, guys, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Muhammad Emran. Searching online is easy. Type in a shopping mall or a cafe and your options are endless. But when you search for a hidden path to hike with the friends and an unseen cliffside to watch the sunset or just a cool spot for a perfect selfie, you won't find much. With a way in, discovering the world couldn't be any easier. Simply type in your location and discover your area's most exclusive and incredible locations for your next adventure. That's awayin.com www.awayn.com. Away in your destination for exclusive locations. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the show. We are talking with Dr. Muhammad Emran. He has a podcast show called Simple Health Radio. Doctor, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you. And, and thank you once again, too, for sharing your medical expertise and uh, experiences with us. You have another platform to kind of talk more about your thoughts and your experiences. The idea with the podcast, uh, it really came up what I call a conversation. So whenever I see patients in the ER, uh, we do what's called a standard examination, meaning we get the history, we uh, do a physical exam, we come up with a plan of some testing, and then we reassess. So what we do constantly is talk to patients in the ER, regardless of whatever the results tell us, we have to explain to them, this is normal, this is abnormal, and this is what we're going to do next. And then from there, the patient's either sent home to see their doctor, or they're admitted for treatment or surgery or things like that. 
And so on my podcast, uh, all the episodes are very short. So they're 10 minutes or less, and they only talk about one topic at a time. So, for example, my most recent episodes were about rotator cuff injuries, and the one before that was about strep throat. These are very common conditions, and I see them literally every day. And so I have the same conversation in slightly different ways uh, with many, many people on a weekly basis. And so that's really what happened with the podcast was just taking what I do all the time to make it into a format uh, that's easy to listen to on your own time. And I know that most people aren't going to have a rotator cuff injury or major surgery or things like that, but you may know somebody who does. And so the second part of what we do in the ER is explain the results and the treatment to the family members. And so more than the patient, we actually have to let the family know what's going on because sometimes they're more nervous than the patient is. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where the idea for the podcast came. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And, you know, like you said, you get to explain these things to a broader audience and uh, people out there who, like you said, may know someone who has these conditions or has them themselves. And so it's just, I think, important. It's another element in just education. So it's a bit, I think, kind of proactive, too, maybe for people to listen to these things uh, as well. So now where can we listen and when does your show air? Okay, very good. So the website is called simplehealthradio.com. So on simplehealthradio.com, every episode is recorded and saved along with a blog. So some people prefer to read and follow along with the podcast as well. So every vocabulary that I mention, every medication that I talk about or treatment is already in the blog as well. And that makes it easy for you to share to your friends. Uh, It's available for free on iTunes. Uh, It's available uh, on many other platforms through the RSS feed. So if you have overcast or uh, download or downcast or some of the other software out there it's fully compatible with all of those Uh, on social media we have instagram and facebook Uh, you just follow simple health radio and that'll show up and then also on twitter which is right now our biggest media uh, because so many people will live tweet after listening to an episode and then they'll ask questions on the air or during our direct messaging Um, i'm always happy to accept questions so if you are listening to my episode about strep throat and you have a question about something just send it to me via social media or online through the website comment Um, i can't directly respond to the individual because that creates kind of a conflict of interest but i do address that on the next episode so i save all those questions and then i talk about it on the following show and that way more people get benefit from the one question that was asked I think I just think that's so cool, and I appreciate uh, you know doctors like you who are who are doing that. And so again, guys, that's simplehealthradio.com. And now we do have some time for questions from our audience as well, uh, doctor. The first one here is: What can be done to enhance better patient care or to build doctor-patient relationships? Okay, excellent. That's a great question, actually. Um, The biggest thing I tell people is to be an advocate for themselves. And being an advocate means when you go to the doctor, for example, with a wrist injury, so you fell, you hurt your wrist, before you make it to the doctor's clinic, you need to do a couple of things. You need to make sure you know your allergies. You need to bring a list of all your medications, and you need a basic history of all your treatments in the past. So do you have osteoporosis? Have you had a previous wrist fracture? Things like that. So it's as as simple as taking a picture of your pill bottles, writing down some basic information, and then coming to the doctor. It's always best to come with somebody, so either your spouse or child or neighbor or friend, because there's a lot of things that you will forget in that conversation that happens, and then your friend is kind of like a wingman or a wingwoman uh, who can just remind you that, oh, you forgot to mention this, or I have a question about that. So that's the first step, is to be prepared when you go to the doctor's office, especially if it's an ER or a place you've never been before, because they don't have any history on you before. The second thing is that, as I mentioned earlier, 
earlier, the way the ER works is that we get a history, we do a physical, we order some tests, and we walk out. So the entire conversation may be less than five minutes, depending on what you're there for. So you have to be prepared. You have to have a little mental checklist or a written down list of questions to be sure your questions are answered before the doctor leaves you. If you wait an hour and then try to get a hold of them, it may be too late. That doctor may be off shift or there may be some other things going on. And so you might get pushed to the side. So the most important thing is the preparation. And then after the office visit, let's say your doctor prescribes a medication to treat your diabetes or your blood pressure, always talk to your pharmacist. And I do this constantly. I think pharmacists are the smartest people I know because I will call them at any Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, and I will ask them questions. Uh, here's a medication. Here's what I need to do. Uh, will this be safe and compatible with the other treatments? And they tell me yes or no. Mm-hmm. And so you, as a patient, you should always ask your pharmacist about advice as well, because that allows them to know what you're taking. And if there's a complication, the pharmacist will call your doctor and then they can change that as well if necessary. So those are three very easy steps. They don't cost any money, but it just keeps everyone safe. It keeps them on the same page. And then beyond that, it's gonna be things that are long-term. So as you mentioned, you know, listening to uh, podcasts that promote health, uh, reading about your own condition. So if you're diagnosed with osteoarthritis, if you're diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, if you're diagnosed with a knee sprain, read about it and find out what you need to do to keep yourself healthy and that'll help you from avoiding er visits in the future as well mm-hmm. i agree 100 percent. and a great question again too thanks for the question and there is a sort of investment that you need to you know you need to invest in your health and, and kind of take some ownership on that too and so that's great advice there doctor thank you for that uh there's another one here one more who was the biggest influence in your life and what kind of impact did it make in how you approach your patients? Oh, wow. That's a very deep question. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I think um, one particular individual would be hard to pinpoint uh, because I think we're made up of a lot of separate, uh, you know, events that occur throughout our lives. Um, I think family always comes first and, you know, the things that your uh, parents and siblings and, you know, close relatives have done always influence you as well. Um, As I mentioned earlier in the ER, um, I still remember uh, on my very first shift, uh, I was just brand new. I think it was my second or third patient, Uh, but there was a child that came in uh, via ambulance. Uh, It was kind of a car accident situation, and that child didn't make it. And uh, I never knew the name of the child. I never knew the details of it. Uh, but the family members that came in were just so overwhelmed and that has always stuck with me for many many years and so i think that was kind of a defining point for me which was as a young uh, you know 15 year old being in that position of seeing not just the life but also the death of a, a child uh, i'd never seen that before and so uh, in a way that really influenced me to take a stand and say if this is something i want to do long term i should be prepared and i should do what i can for not just the patient but also the people around them um, and i never knew the, the name of that person and I, I will never know the name of that person uh, but that left such a, a time stamp in my mind that on this date this happened uh, I think you never forget that. And so I think that would be a major influencer in my lifetime. So, mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, what what a, a touching story. And that's definitely a very defining moment in your you know, your young career there. And, and I'm sure it definitely shaped how you approach patients in, in your care. Um, thank you again, doctor, for sharing that and, and answering those questions from the audience. I would like to ask, what motivates you? What motivates Dr. Muhammad Emran? Sure. And, uh, you know, for me, it's really my my wife and children. And I really try to be a good father, a good husband, uh, in addition to being a good doctor. 
the motivation for me, uh, you know, healthcare is difficult. Uh, there's a lot of long days and I do work nights. And so you have to separate your work from your family and your personal life as well in order to stay healthy and uh, functional. And so the motivation for me is to do the best I can uh, with my own circle, you know, meaning the people that I see and live with every day. And so my motivation is really to do the best that I can uh, for everyone that I encounter. No, we're all human. We're all going to have good days and bad days, mm. and we're all going to get upset. We're all going to have, uh, you know, emotions that factor into it. But at the end of a week or at the end of a month or at the end of 10 years, uh, when people look back and say, you know, he really spent time with his children. He really spent time with his spouse. Uh, he really spent time with his community. We know his name. Um, you know, he's done well for us, all of us. Uh, that's really, for me, a motivation. And that's not just what I call reputation. You know, reputation is what other people say about you, uh, but I think motivation is what you say about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that you want to push yourself a little bit further each day, learn something new, do something a little better. I think that's a, a huge validation. So, Yes, definitely. And I'm 100% in agreement with that. You know, you have to find that motivation within yourself and what keeps you going. And so it's just, and thank you for sharing that as well. Before we end the show, though, um, I'm going to ask you another question here because I always like to ask three things. And since we're talking health today, I'd like to ask you what are three things that you could tell our audience today listening that they could do to improve their overall health? Sure. Um, so I think the first thing is to take an assessment of where you are right now. So we talked a little bit earlier about the vital signs and your weight and so on. Uh, that's one part of it. But, you know, look at your family history and their health. So talk to your grandmother, talk to your aunt, talk to your nephew, find out what health conditions they have and write those down because the genetics of all of those things are cumulative. Meaning if your grandmother has breast cancer and then your aunt has breast cancer, there's a high chance that you will have breast cancer in your lifetime. So if you don't ask, you'll never find out. So that's the first thing is that you need to find out about your family history. Uh, the second thing is that you need to find out about other conditions that people around you are suffering from. So you may not know that your neighbor has a health condition because they may not tell you but you may be able to talk to them and say, you know, uh, are you feeling good? Uh, have you been struggling with some things lately? And what I'm getting at is mental health, uh, because mental health is underdiagnosed in the United States and globally. People have anxiety and depression uh, that can be as severe as any physical problem, and it goes undiagnosed and untreated. So people should really reach out to their close neighbors and coworkers to find out about their mental health as well. And then the third thing, as we mentioned earlier, was about technology. Uh, there is actually uh, an app that I really like. It's called Epocrates. That's spelled E-P-O-C-R-A-T-E-S, Epocrates. This is a medical app, but it's free. And so I always tell my patients or people who are interested in that to download it. What it is is a database of thousands of medications and it tells the dosing the milligrams the formulations and so i use it to prescribe the medication but i advise my patients to download it to read about their own medications so if they're taking let's say a blood pressure medicine and a diabetes medication they can type it in and it'll trigger a contraindication or a conflict if there's a problem with it and that's where you have a conversation with your pharmacist or your doctor to think about changing it um, so those are very easy things that don't cost anything at all uh, but i think that would be a big step in the right direction family history find out about mental history of your neighbors and co-workers and then this app you know the Hippocrates app for your own medications as well that is very good advice doctor thank you so much now you know i gave you the first word i'd like to give you also the last is there anything else 
you'd like to tell our audience today? I really just want to say I'm so appreciative that uh, you invited me on the show. And um, I always find that people who listen um, in a neutral setting, meaning people who are sitting at home alone or in their car and they hear my episode for the first time, it's almost like they don't want it to end. Even though it's 10 minutes, it's such a brief conversation, um, I really want to make sure that we have a connection. I may never meet all the people that listen to my show, but I want them to know that I do value their opinion and that I do feel connected with them in an indirect way. And so really I want to be available to be a resource. Um, So if there's anyone out there listening that has some comments or feedback, I do take it to heart. So please reach out to me and then I will do my best to include that on a future episode for sure. Definitely. And I can definitely tell that too, just by talking with you. I don't want this conversation to end. We'd like to invite you back on the show again. And definitely guys, I know I'm going to be tuning in and I encourage you guys all to tune in as well to simplehealthradio.com. That is Dr. Muhammad Emron's radio show. Thank you so much, Doctor, once one more last time. Thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. All right. Thank you again. I really appreciate that tremendously. Okay, everyone. That was Dr. Muhammad Emron. What a fantastic doctor, you guys. Thank you to Dr. Muhammad Emron for being on the show, taking his time out to be on the show today and share his story, his knowledge, his experiences, and his thoughts in as it relates to the medical field. Uh, what a lot of knowledge. Very, very smart man. Very knowledgeable man. And I appreciate also the candidness of the conversation too as well because like he said, when we get into some of these topics, it can get a little political. But I think it's important to talk about. I think it is important to talk about these issues. And I'm so glad that he has his show. Again, that's simplehealthradio.com. And I just love how he is taking his time to explain some of these similar conditions that we experience or we may know someone else in our family or friends who experience these these common conditions. If you're interested in learning more and listening more to Dr. Mohamed Emran, I encourage you to go to simplehealthradio.com and listen to his podcast there. Because like he said, it all starts with education. So I think we do have to own and uh, be an advocate for our own health. Because if we don't, who is? And so it's very important, guys, to take that step, be an advocate for yourself, be an advocate for your health, and start learning about some of these conditions. And you know, when we talk about similar conditions, if many people are experiencing the same conditions, we have to at some point start asking ourselves, why? and if there's anything that can be done to prevent that. And so I'm all about preventative health and uh, being proactive. And so one thing you can do is listen to Dr. Emron's show. I think it's uh, important in our society that we do take the step forward in our own uh, advocacy for our health and uh, do our due diligence on research and taking care, better care of ourselves. So I think we got into some great things with the show today. Uh, like I said, uh, there's so much more I wanted to ask him. Unfortunately, we ran out of time. But once again, thank you, doctor, for being on the show and answering the questions from the audience. And thank you to the audience for participating with those questions and also for listening in on the show. And thank you for continuing on listening to me in my journey of this podcast. This is exactly what I love to do, guys, is bring people like Dr. Muhammad on the show and explain their stories, their perspectives, their knowledge to help us better ourselves. And so, guys, once again, thank you so much. What another awesome episode of Table Talks. Remember, if you're interested in listening to 
all my other episodes, they are available on iTunes. You can also go to my website, which is www.hellomynameisjosh.com. That's www.hellomynameisjosh.com. And you'll be able to find all my episodes right there. You can also learn more about me and my books and everything else that I am doing to help more and more people. Because that's my mission, guys. My mission is to help as many people as I possibly can. And so thank you guys one more time for being on, for taking your time to listen to me today. And thanks once again to our amazing guest, Dr. Mohammed Emran, for helping me help more people. Guys, until next time, I wish you all the best. Have a great day. Be light, be love. Until next time, I'll talk to you later.